It is basically creating something that feels enduring, delightful, and engaging. Something that, that people absolutely love. There's only a very little number of products that ever achieve this high level of emotional design to me because they truly care about serving the user in every situation of life. All right, everyone, welcome back to Quick Coffee. Wow, another episode, uh, another exciting topic, emotional product design. Can't wait to talk about that. Before we get started, Pat, how are you doing today? All good, all good, and um, and I'm actually I'm actually very much looking forward to this episode because it's one of these episodes where you know I am always learning a lot uh, from you um, about be the behind the scenes of of the design, you know, the design process and how you think about design. But also, what's interesting to me is that, of course, because I'm so I'm working usually so closely with design. All of these topics somehow I have thought about, um, but I mm -hmm. but I never really think about it in these kind of design concepts, right? And so yeah. that's why for me, I think when we back in the days when we talked about the the fundamental principles of product design, everyone who's interested, you can go back and listen to this episode. When we were talking about this episode, it was already very interesting to me because I had never really thought about these principles in so mm -hmm. much detail, and so. When I heard about them for the first time from you, now then a lot of things made much more sense to me in terms of how they are playing out in the real world when I use a product. And so, of course, the, this kind of um, topic of today, which is emotional product design, it's very similar to me because, of course, there is this realization that I've had many times that I have a much deeper connection with certain products mm. um, and I really, I really like them, but I didn't. I didn't really understand the principles and process behind it and and how you can you know actively work towards that and so yeah. and so that's why i'm pretty excited about this episode um how about you how's everything going yeah all good i see it exactly the same way also obviously the the other way around i think that's truly what i enjoy about having a podcast with you is because like it feels like we're learning on a constant basis new things and we're talking about topics that where We had our own experiences and learnings and we're sharing those with each other and the community. And it's, it's, it feels so, it feels so good to, to cover those topics and, and have that kind of this constant learning curve, not only in our day to day job, but um, also in our yeah, free time and, and, you know, when, when we're recording the podcast. And, um, and maybe last comment about that is, you know, it, it almost feels like whenever we work, we're constantly focused in our, in our day to day processes that we don't take the time to truly reflect and talk about the thing. So now, like, this topic is about emotional product design. It's something I try to do on a daily basis, but I wouldn't talk about it. You know, I would just do it. And also the team at Blossom, where, you know, all, all of us being designers, we would just intuitively do those things without talking about those things. And that's why I, I, I like how you were reflecting on that, that we also take the time and, and truly try to you know talk about something that that ho hopefully helps a lot of people when they think about products they use and how that those have been designed and and built yeah and and i think you know what's interesting to me is that every time we talk about especially design on a deeper level what that usually makes with me is that in the weeks afterwards 
I will look at products differently. I, I will have stronger attention to the details that these products have. And that in itself is a learning experience because when you're using products on a day-to-day -day basis, I don't think that a lot of people spend a lot of time on really understanding why certain things were designed this way. Yeah. But they still, they still kind of subconsciously enjoy these products yeah. much more because of these decisions that were made, right? And we will come to that in a moment. But that for me is... These, these kind of episodes where we go really deep on design, usually they're kind of an eye-opener to my day-to-day -day digital product experiences. So so that's, that's I think, the frame yeah. and, and why, why it's quite helpful. And, and I think it can create a similar experience for all of the listeners as well in, in the coming weeks. And so often it is the simplest UI design element that is making a product truly, you know, delightful. But and then, you know, when people look at it, they are like, yeah, that's something I, you know, I obviously it wasn't hard to come up with that. Right. But they often underestimate the effort and the thinking that yes. has been happening behind small interactions and small information widgets that are appearing when using a product. So yeah. excited to kick it off. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right. So let's start with the episode. And before we go into kind of a little bit more the theoretical part where I'll, I I would ask you to, to kind of introduce it from like a higher level in terms of what emotional product design really is, let's quickly talk about why this is relevant. Of course, at Sonic and Blossom, what we believe um, in, and that's why I think both of our companies work so closely together. We believe in building truly great products and building truly great products. Of course, we've talked about that before is is kind of when product management and design and engineering come together in this, you yep. know, perfectly orchestrated concert, I would I would kind of call it, where these three functions work to, together seamlessly. Yep. But then there is these special things that all three functions can contribute from their point of view. And I think one area is emotional product design and how to design a product in a way that it really creates a deeper connection yeah. with the person using it. And this can be relevant just in terms of, you know, covering um, the scope here. It can be relevant for both a, a, a B2C product, but also a B2B product, because ultimately a B2B product, it's also go going to be used by a human, uh, you know, on the other end. Yeah. And so that's kind of the framing and why we think it's relevant. And I think I would just kick it off with this question to you of, you know, what is emotional product design? And how would you, you know, if you had to explain it to someone, how yeah. would you explain it? And how would you frame it? And then let's dive into a couple of examples afterwards, because I think that that makes it so easy to understand yeah. for people, if it's kind of connected to products they use every day. Yeah. So I, I maybe to, to just kick it off, like, first of all, emotional design is, is basically the, in German, you would say Königsklasse of products. It's like the, the, it's the hardest thing to achieve. And, and we'll talk about, you know, why that is and, and how you can achieve it. But just to like, before we kick it off, I, I just wanted to, you know, outline that it is extremely hard to achieve. It is basically creating something that feels enduring, delightful and engaging something that that people absolutely love you know and it as you said right it could be anything it could be a, a new fintech app it could be a b2b SaaS company it could be a new 
mobility service. It could be anything. It could be hardware, software, it could be anything. I think it, it's important to mention that the, the things we're covering here are not only true for those, you know, digital first startups, but it's mind, it's a mindset and it's a it's a method that you can apply whenever you're building a new product. And the goal of emotional design is basically to create a connection between, you know, the people and the human, the end user and the product on a very emotional level, since emotions are what drive us. And it is really building this bridge between both. And it's also interesting because that's always the reminder that I try to tell me on a daily basis is you're building something for humans. You're not designing something for machines. And that is why emotions of the human should be considered on a you know daily basis. It's the most important thing because emotions are what trigger us, what drive us, what control us. And that's that's important to um, to understand. And obviously there are a bunch of examples, but if we would talk about the basics, it is the question of, okay, now that I understand what emotional design is, building this bridge between products and and the, and the actual human, how do companies then achieve that? What are the methods they apply in order to exactly get that? And it comes down to basically two things. It is you want to build trust and delightfulness because delightfulness is what makes your product better and different than any other product. It's the moment where you are being surprised in a very positive way. And those are the things that truly stick inside you. It's using something that works so great that you wouldn't let you're you're surprised about how easy you were able to achieve your goal and on an emotional level but that is the delight part what is also important is the trust part right you want you want to use something where you in, you ultimately truly trust the product and you know it's reliable you know it's credible you know it works and that is basically what makes a product better and different than any other product. And that's quite an interesting graph that I <clears throat> always use, which is basically showing different stages of how people look at a product. So there are, for example, products that you might use because they are desirable, right? They have some sort of an initial attraction. Then in the second stage, there are products that you can ultimately use because they're usable. They make kind of sense, right? The third stage, which is now getting a little more into the direction of emotional product design, is when a product is compelling, when it's trustful, when it kind of, yeah, kind of, you know, uh, expresses trustworthiness and you are willing to use it because of that. And the last stage is emotional design which basically combines all of it, but then also integrates behavioral, visceral, and reflective attitudes that we'll cover in a second. And that will end up in you not only might using a product or can using a product or you know will using a product, but eventually loving to use a product. This is the stage of where people truly love a product. And this is the hardest. Like, on, in the, like this pyramid, it's the top part that only very few companies achieve. And there's a reason for it. It's extremely hard to be great at all those kind of um, factors. And 
you know, obviously the first question now would be, now that we know it's extremely hard to achieve and it requires us to focus on trust and on building trust and on building the light. Obviously, the first question comes into the room that is, all right, but how do I build trust, right? Obviously, this is a process. <laughs> and Pat, I mean, I can just reflect on all the companies and products that we've built. <laughs> We're definitely. Like, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I mean, if you if you look at it, um, I think that, you know, the interesting part is that even even the trust section for me, it's still very much like you would be tr building trust with a human, right? So yeah. building trust for me is you do what you say you will do, right? In a very simple formula. So if a product ultimately does what it says it will do for you yeah. over time, that will do trust. And of course, that's reliability and simple things like availability of the application and things like that, right? So that simple thing, but it's really actually quite hard to achieve, even though it sounds so simple. But I think the, the important realization when I think about these things is that there's only a very few num like a very little number of products that ever achieve this high level of emotional design to me because they truly care about serving the user in every situation of life right if you mm. think about i mean i i have one fantastic example for this from tesla because last year we spent a lot of time driving tesla in in los angeles and what it meant for me was that this so first of all you need to trust this product it's going to be the product that takes you to work every morning right so if if you cannot trust this product the, this product is going to be done you you rely on it the same way that rely on your iphone and things like that but you will you will build this trust if the product delivers for you so that's the that's the, the one side but the other side is this kind of delight angle where you realize over time, the more you use the product and the digital experience and the Tesla app and everything, you realize that over time, this is a product that people have invested so much time into thinking how it could be the best possible experience for you on a daily basis, yeah. that it will create this delight. And I just want to give this one super small example. When you have the Tesla app installed on your iPhone and you look for, you search for a location on Google Maps, which often happens, of course, you want to drive somewhere, you, you search on your phone, you find the location. Now, of course, the Tesla team could have said, okay, you have found the location on your iPhone. Now you just type it in again into the navigation on the Tesla app. It, it takes like 30 seconds longer. Yeah. But then they asked themselves, what would be the best possible experience? What would be this one moment in the morning where you save yourself these 30 seconds, you save yourself the typos, and you just put it in even easier? And so what they developed is actually that when, you, when you're on Google Maps, you can share the location as if you wanted to send it to someone on WhatsApp, but you now choose the Tesla app, yeah. and it's going to be automatically sent to your iPhone. And you just you basically press one button, it's going to be sent to your car. It's going to pull up in the navigation. You can start driving, right? And it's this, that is for me, the level of creating the light where yeah. you think about how can we make it so great that someone is going to save these 20 seconds in the morning and maybe like tape, typing the wrong address or something like that, right? We, we save them this and we have them have a great start to their day. And even though people don't necessarily realize that this is something they designed for, they will still enjoy it yeah. sub subconsciously, right? That's what I believe. So 
for me, kind of that's where what you just said, it rings perfectly in this example. Yeah. 100%. And it, it already goes a little bit more into the direction of how do you build delightful products, which will also cover a little bit more into details in a second. But before we jump there, I just wanted to quickly make sure that everyone understands that this importance of building trust. First, it takes time, as we've just like kind of discussed. And the second thing is, it's like, if it's a few things. There's even a, you can Google it, there's even a trust formula, which is, I think, the, the combination of having credibility, re reliability, and intimacy above the self-orientation of the user. I think that's that's what the, the trust formula says. If you break that down, this it basically just means, hey, in order to build trust, first of all, you know, it's it's not a shortcut. It's you want to take the user, you want to take the user's hand and build something that's very transparent and fair in their communication. And it's it's not only the product, and that is also interesting, right? It is it starts also with the company, right? It starts with what is the company, is the company credible? then the product might be credible, right? It is extremely hard to build a product where there's like some sort of a scammy company behind it, right? That is already like the, it's already the first yes. stage where it gets complicated. So important, right? Second, reliability. Honestly, it, we've covered it already a little bit, but you build trust in a, in a way that you build something that truly works and works in a way what it says it should do. Um, what we just, what we've just covered. So it's like something that is stable and reachable and, it should just work the way you expect it to work. And if it doesn't, people lose trust. The, the second thing or the third thing, which is also just interesting to mention, is this power of intimacy. Like something where you truly feel safe and also secure about the data. And honestly, that's something not a lot of companies truly achieve at the moment. So for example, with Tesla, right, we all know that they have installed hundreds of cameras, not hundreds, but many cameras in there, you know, as well inside as well as outside of the car. So I, like one of the things that I would kind of feel a little bit uncomfortable about is like, what is what are they doing with the data that they're collecting while I'm driving the Tesla? And I think they would probably rather, they'll probably check the two, two first boxes, which is credibility. Tesla is somehow like a very credible company. Like they've, they've managed to build several cars and and are, are definitely like, you know, obviously with Elon, he bring, brings in some of his credibility also due to his background. But, and and reliability, I'd, I'd argue, yes, also most of the time. But intimacy, I don't know, right? So it's it's like, yeah. It's actually interesting that you mentioned that because for me, I had the situation once, the car, it also has an internal camera, right? So a camera that actually yeah. that actually views the inside of the car. And the interesting thing that that I found there, just to to make that example, and then I think we, you know, we should wrap it up with with this kind of thought from your side, you know, maybe the step plan, how would you build emotional design? I think that would be a great wrap up for today. But just on this one, very quickly, even though they have all of these cameras, what they do on the main screen in the car, and I think this is this is such a great way that they have thought about it. Whenever there's a recording starting or something happening with these cameras, they will tell you in quite a detailed text what's going to happen and you can, uh, you, can you can you mm. and and every time yeah. and, and every time you could choose do i want that or not right exactly. and so for me that 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 is again this approach where you think about okay what is an ideal experience yes maybe the ideal experience is powered by having this data available and having these cameras and yeah. everything yeah. but we're going to be very open and, and transparent about it and and again it builds trust and what comes on top of it is these delightful experiences, yeah. right? And so I think that's the frame for me, but maybe you mm -hmm. can 
you yeah. can you can you can kind of wrap it up with a with a little bit of a step by step plan. I mean, quick yeah. coffee is always a short format. We we you know, and of course, this is like a huge topic, but we wanted we wanted to give it. I think a, what is a great overview, and maybe you can you can outline from your perspective if someone really wanted to kind of put their product to the next level in terms of design, how would they approach it? Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I'll do that. So before I, I go through the step-by-step -step plan, just quick take on now that we've understood how to build the light, uh, trust, quickly my take on building the light, which is also a combination of, of several factors. It's basically a combination of something that is visceral. So it is something that when you interact with a product for the first time, how does that make you feel? Like take um, Apple announcing the new iPhone. Before they announce it, they would usually publish a marketing video that like where they, you know, announce all the features and everything else. And, and you are already emotionally connected to that before you even use the product because you've seen this like video and you are truly, truly emotional about it. The second thing is, and that is also important in order to achieve delight, is behavioral, meaning how do you like, how do you control the emotions? when some when the users when when a user is interacting with your product and accomplishing something you know there's like a, a product being very very behavioral which is also important and i think the last one is reflective which is truly this like feeling of if a person is using your product how do they feel about it and how do they want to be perceived by others and if you would now sum it up i think you can break it down to the two major parts which is you've now understood that it's extremely hard to like build something that is both trustworthy, but also um, delightful. And I think it's it's really important to understand that there's a way to achieve that. And the first way is to focus on building trust, right? Really build something that, you know, is credible, reliable, high in, has like some sort of a high intimacy, is really informing the user about what's going on. I loved, Pat, like I loved this example where you were talking about Tesla using data but then informing the user about what's happening with the data, which kind of helps them to, you know, win back the trust of the, of the user. And the second thing is, is the light, right? In order to truly stand out, like try to build, it is not only about the product, it's about the brand you're building around that, right? right? That's what I meant with just like this video that, for example, Apple is announcing, or if you take N26, Berlin FinTech company, like I remember when they launched their metal card, they were like having this huge, like, huge video announcement where you where you saw how the card was being created and i and i think that was another great example of how you can build something that that is uh yeah triggering the light into the in the eyes of of the user all right everyone thanks so much for um, listening today this was a quick recap about uh emotional design i know like as we said right quick coffee is some sort of a short format so we we hope that it it was um, insightful, even though it was just a 20, 25 minute women a chat. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for tuning in to this emotional product design episode. Thank you very much, Felix, for outlining the whole framework and everything around it. I'm always super excited about learning more about, you know, the, the, the theory of product design, which is always super interesting to me. Um, of course, as always, let us know how you like this episode. Send us any thoughts and comments you have. And we're looking forward to seeing you again here on Quick Coffee next week. Thanks. We're wishing you a lovely day. And uh, we're super much, very much looking forward to seeing you here back, back next Thursday. Thanks so much for listening and uh, have a great day. Ciao.